This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstiles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by First Row Collectibles, if you're into nerd culture, if you're into sports memorabilia, if you're into wrestling memorabilia, please visit firstrow.ca. Use promo code THEPODCAST20 to receive 20% off. You got a ton of stuff from the wrestling world, from all the major sporting leagues. Best thing is they ship worldwide. Even better, they update daily. So please visit them at firstrow.ca. And if you're into video games and books, please visit bossfightbooks.com for great books on classic video games. You'll find titles like Resident Evil, Red Dead Redemption, Silent Hill 2 and so many others. Everything you see on their websites available in paperback and ebook format. So please check them out at bossfightbooks.com. And if you want to support me directly, you can visit my merchandise store at tpublic.com or scroll down on today's device. It's embedded right there in the description. Click on that link. Takes you right to the merchandise store. I got everything from hoodies to t-shirts, travel mugs, phone cases, anything you need or want. It is there. But the most important thing, the freest thing, the best thing to do to support the show is rate, subscribe, review on all major platforms. Most specifically, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest is an actor and retired pro wrestler who has wrestled for such promotions as WCW, CMLL, All Japan, and UWF to name just a few. You have seen him as Sabretooth and X-Men and Michael Myers in the Rob Zombie remakes of Halloween and Halloween 2. He is also behind the graphic novel, The Last Spartan Red Tape, which you can now back on Kickstarter. The legendary Tyler Maine. Hey man, thanks for having me on. No, really appreciate it, my friend, fellow Canadian Canuck. Thank you, my friend, for bestowing yourself on my show. Love it. I love Halloween. I love, like, Halloween, the actual day Halloween, not the movie, even though yes. I do love both. But anything to do with horror, anything to do with wrestling, I know this is going to be a fun conversation. Thank you for being here, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me. Man, this is the month to have this conversation in. Right? October. It's- it is the month. It's perfect how it aligned. It's so cool. Okay, before we get into anything, before we start going down the path, let's go with pro wrestling because that's my one of my favorite passions. That's what you pretty much started to dabble in into entertainment business, I guess, 
early on in your career. So what made you get into wrestling? Were you a fan before? How did this all start, my friend? Oh, my God, man. I grew up in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Tall, skinny kid, glasses, braces, slightly dyslexic. Every Saturday morning, Stampede Wrestling would come on, the hearts, and I would watch that, and I would be like, I'm going to do that someday, and then for the rest of the weekend, I'd be watching action flicks, I'd be watching the wonderful world of Disney, I'd be watching all kinds of stuff, and I said, I'm going to do all of that someday. Everybody goes, bullshit, but here we are, you know? Sure, of course. That's hilarious. So what type of wrestling did you grow up with then back in the day? Man, I was watching like Bad News Al and all those guys. Nice. Uh, and, you know, the, the all the Hart brothers. Um, you know, at that time, uh, David Boy Dynamite had uh, just come in and they were just skinny little runts. Oh, um, right. You know, Benoit was there. Uh all these guys were in there and I would watch them and I'd be like, man, I'm, I'm going to do that someday. And, uh, ended up just getting in my Jeep, driving to, uh, Calgary, talk to the hearts, talk to Stu. Nice. And Stu said, uh, kid, uh, come over. We'll see if you're made of, uh, wrestling material. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. Okay. So then, Ended up going with Stu in the dungeon for a while, you Fantastic. know, um, and I was in there and I'm like, Stu, how are we going to do suplexes and stuff in here? I mean, because the ceiling was really low. I'm, right. I'm, you know, six, seven, six, eight. <laughs> he goes, uh, uh, kid, don't worry about that. You got a lot to learn first. Oh. Uh, come here. Let me show you a double grapevine. <laughs> and then at that time, at that point. That moment, I started screaming and squealing like a little girl. <laughs> so the stories are true then. <laughs> the stories are true. <laughs> the stories are true. Oh, my God. So was there any point? Okay, because back then, everyone knows the stories. Wrestling, training was a lot different than how it is today. Now everything's more open. People want you to get into business. Back then, it was more to either see if you were tough enough or if you could carry the secret of being a wrestler. Like You know what I mean? Because kayfabe was still in full effect. So was there any point in time did you think that, oh, man, I made a wrong decision. I should not be a wrestler. Or was it just always the time I'm going to grit through this? I am going to be a pro wrestler. You know, I mean... That first time I walked down in the dungeon, I had second thoughts. But then after that, I was like, no, here we go. This I got to do this. I got to do this. And, um, you know, I stuck it out with Stu for a while. And then Red Bastine came through with the WWF at the time. Right. Who was running the West Coast. He had training going on with Mondo Guerrero in uh, California. He gotcha. said, come to California. I want to have Mondo train you. So I trained with Mondo and got to know the Guerrero family really well. And so I had the best of both worlds. You know, I had Stu and, and I had um, Red and um, and the Guerrero family. That's so awesome to have, like, all yeah. those people just mentioned right there as a who's who of professional wrestling. like you know, And plus different type of styles as well, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. At the beginning, you know, Mondo had me doing flying head scissors and all kinds of stuff. And at my size, guys were like, no, you, no, no. You right. know, you just you do the big man gimmick. So I'm like, okay, cool. 
easier on the body. <laughs> do you think your type of style, or do you think you would change if you were wrestling in today's type of product? You know, that's hard to say. I, I would probably still do what I did, you know. Um, I, I was lucky enough to wrestle all over the world. You exactly. Know? I, mean, I, yep. I, I wrestled in Japan. I, you know, in the Tokyo Dome, I was one of the last people to wrestle under the giant in the Tokyo Dome in 1993. Look at that. And, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, I had a hell of a career. Would I want to do it again? I, you know, every once in a while I get that twitch and mm. that itch and then I go, Oh, the back's a little tight, you know. And, and my age, sure. <laughs> it's like those boots got those boots got hung on the wall when I did X Men, and they were uh, like, "We're done, we're done." <laughs> so you never came back out of retirement once you. No, when I did really? X Men, I was done. That's it. Oh, and was there any offers, or did everyone try to teach you to come back? How about that? Um, well, you know, I mean, I was living in Kansas City at the time. Harley Race was there. He had okay. some. Uh, shows that he was doing there i did like i think one or two before the x-men came out and he was after he was wanting me to come and do some more stuff with him but i was like no i'm done i gotta focus on my acting career and take care of that oh that's so. pretty cool too and yeah you mentioned you've been all around where like you didn't even mention like south africa puerto rico like I, like, I heard stories of South Africa having a wrestling scene, but even back then, how was it wrestling in South Africa? Man, it was, it, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. I could imagine. I, was in, I went into South Africa, and there were two wrestlers there. Mark Calloway. Okay. And Billy Two Eagles. Oh, wow. And Mark was like, man, I don't even have enough money to get home. My so goodness holy shit, what am I doing here? Because they had to cancel some shows and stuff like that. Right. But luckily we did our run. I was there with uh, Dave Sheldon, the angel of death. Okay. So, cause they bring in two wrestlers at a time, mm. you know, and, um, and then right from there, uh, red sent me over to, uh, England. Oh, okay. For the crab trees for Max Crabtree. And then, then I was wrestling big daddy and all of them. Oh, you know? nice. So it's like, <laughs> So, yeah, I was thrown into the thick of things. My God. So you got to witness literally every type of style and every type of, like, that old school generation of everyone who they talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got in right at that time. Like, you know, I, I even wrestled in Yugoslavia Ooh. with Rocky Johnson. Oh, look at and, that. And, uh, you know, 15 years later, I'm walking into Universal Studios and Rocky Johnson's walking out because he was just there. And he points at me and goes, what are you doing here? I go, I'm getting ready to work with your kid, old man. Ah. He goes, have you met him? How funny <laughs> is that? He goes, have you met him? I go, no, I haven't met him yet because it was day one, right? Right. He says, come on, let's go in. Let so then he takes me in there and it was The Rock, me and Rocky Johnson sitting there all just talking and bullshitting, you know? And it was amazing. And isn't it so nice to see like the wrestlers finally getting the recognition for their acting chops. Like you have Batista, John Cena's like, you know what I mean? Before that yeah. there was really, who was it was, I guess Hogan because he was the face of wrestling in the eighties. So he got fed those movie parts. But after that, like, you know what I mean? Like I think rock yeah. broke that, that so to speak, that gate right open for now pro wrestlers to make that leap after they're done inside the ring. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Like when when I was with the WCW, I mean, at that point in time, I had managers and agents, and and mm. and some of the guys were like, "What do you got that for?" Well, because I already always planned to transition, mm. you know, into the acting and film. Way back Mark. when. See. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, it was fun getting dropped on your head, but you only want to get that happening a few times. You know what I mean? You can only get so many concussions. <laughs> and that's smart to see, again, especially back then where concussions weren't really a thing, right? Yeah, well, I mean, you, you would get them. Exactly. But they wouldn't, they wouldn't really diagnose them. It'd be like, ah, you brush it off, get in there, you know? And if you don't get in there, you're not going to get your paycheck. So, you know, and that's the same as it is today. You're working hurt. You're, it's, you know, it's a, it's a tough, tough way to make a living. No, no, most definitely. I give the props always to anyone who's ever taken a bump in the ring. Like I've said it before and people are probably sick of it, but I've taken, I think, two bumps where I got to go in the ring with, with a former guest I was on and he, he took me to his gym. And I'm like, man, I have such an, like I had respect before, but now it's like a totally, de- like I tell everyone, take a bump and then come talk to me about pro wrestlers not being athletes or yeah. it being fake as I put up quotation marks. <laughs> Man, you take that first bump and, and it right? jars your whole body, Whoa. and you're like, "What am I thinking?" You know. And then you get shot into the ropes, and someone calls backdrop, and you're like, "Holy! Mm. All right, here we go." You know, it's the way the way I uh, used to look at it is it's mm. kind of like a rodeo rider, man. You mm-hmm. get used to getting back on that bull, and and that's getting in that ring and taking those bumps, and you get. You get accustomed to it, and, and you get used to taking that thumping, you know. Sure. And it's it's hard to do every day. And and so when when I was wrestling in Mexico, mm. man, a lot of times we were working up to nine times a week. Oof. You know. Wow. It, it, yeah, two shows Saturday and Sunday. It's like <laughs> crazy, you know. No, that I don't get. Yeah, the wear and tear. Well, speaking of wear and tear, you also wrestled in Puerto Rico. Any crazy stories from the Puerto Rican days? Everyone has one, at least. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, they would throw the pesos at you, and, and you know, it, it'd be like, oh, my God. And, and depending on how much heat, the, you, you might get a cup of piss thrown. I mean, it was sure. just, it was nasty. It's fucking nasty. You know? <laughs> And they just do stupid shit, but it, uh, you know, I had fun, got along with everybody. Oh, nice. Had some great matches and got the hell out. (laughs) Smart. (laughs) (laughs) That is so smart because, again, I've had a a few wrestlers, a ton of horse or even, like, locals pulling out guns and stuff and, like, just, like, threatening. And it's like, oh, man, just, again, the lengths of what wrestlers used to go through back in the day. Like, no yeah. one realizes what real so-called heat actually is. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in, in Puerto Rico, you know, I was walking on the street one day. I, I realized you don't do that too much. And uh, a truck full of guys came by and saw it was me and started throwing those huge water bottles at me. Oh, my me, goodness. You know, and I was like, son of a bitch. Time to, time to leave. So, Yeah. Oh my god! And then you also got signed to WCW, my friend, and we're actually Kevin Nash's tag team partner for a bit. Now, when you got signed, national TV exposure, did you think that's it? I've made it. This is the big leagues. I could finally retire here. That I'm done. 
Well, I tell you, I, I went in I went in as first time as woman's bodyguard Nitron. That's right. And then um, and then I went back and Bill Watts was taking it over. Oh, okay. That's when you went and, in. And you know, I, I met him in Tulsa and he was, Yeah, I, I want you to come back and all of this and, and so I did and they were working on my contract. Friday I realized on Friday I was like, Yeah, you got a contract. You know, you, we're signing you. Monday is when all the shit went down and Bill left and wow. all of that. So my contract left. So it was kind of like the writing on the wall for me, you know. It's like, uh, I think I'm going to just make some movies. <laughs> there you go. So when did uh, the UWF come into play then? Because that, that whole thing, obviously, there's just all kinds of stories. That whole thing was a shit show. Oh, it's all my right. God. Yeah, that, that's, that is... Uh, um, <laughs> Herb Abrams, oh, you know. The infamous. Was... <laughs> well, I, you know, I don't even, I can't even remember how the hell I ran into him. But <laughs> he was a piece of work, you know. So I've heard. And I ended up wrestling with him one time at the MGM Grand. Oh, okay. And uh, I ended up winning the MGM Grand Championship. And then somebody ended up stealing my belt. And, and away we go, you know. So I was like, whatever. Okay, well, I... Technically, I still hold the belt because right after that, it was, went defunct, and, you know. So, so you know, between winning the plaques in Japan right. that they only hand out to a few people and that belt, those are my highlights of my career. There we go. Beautiful to tie it all together. shitty career. <laughs> <laughs> no, but again, look what you got to travel and see the world. Like, you know what I mean? Like, all that fun stuff. And the people and all these legends you got to interact with alone is just amazing. You, you yeah, could probably write yeah. a book on that just by itself, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like, just from meeting characters. And, and it was, I was just lucky all the, the grisly ones seemed to like me, you know, like. <laughs> That's Harley important. Race and all these guys, you know, it uh, it was a lot of fun. I was like right at the turning tipping point of everything changing, and you know it changed, and I transitioned out of the mm-hmm. into the out of the wrestling into the film, and haven't looked back. Oh my, well, now, speaking of film, again, you said that you had agents, you had all that, so you had the foresight of seeing that you're going to take that next leap. But was this always your backup plan, or did this come after you started talking to other people? Oh, no, man. Like I say, as a little kid, sitting, watching wrestling, I would watch wrestling, and then I'd watch the action films, and I'd ah, watch everything, and I'd go, I'm going right. to do, I'm going to wrestle, and I'm going to do that someday, you know? Oh, okay. And, you know, here we are. You know, here we are. Here we are indeed, and you've played a, a who's who of whatnot. But okay, before we get into all those characters that I love that you've played over the years, what was your first major character that you got to play on a big screen? Oh, the first, the first big, big, big one was X Men Sabretooth. Okay, so it was. Okay. I'd done stuff. I'd done stuff before that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I had done like when I was wrestling in Mexico. That's where I really got the itch for it. Oh, okay. I mean, have you seen any of those? Uh, Mexican wrestling movies, the Lucha Libre Mexican, where they the wrestlers do their movies and stuff. No. Not well, anyhow, like there's a whole cult okay. of it sure. where all of these guys have their movies. And they asked if I wanted to do a a, a movie with Gloria Mayo. Mm. 
And I said, I don't speak Spanish. They go, don't worry about it. We're going to dub your voice. It'll be great. So I ended up playing an intergalactic vampire who okay. shot laser beams through my fingertips. Fantastic. That had three midget sidekicks that were aliens <laughs> and had a pink fog following me everywhere. Oh, my God. Don't judge. It was the 80s. Of course. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so that was my first 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 start, you know, and then I did the the Bandit Goes Country for the Smoking the Bandit sequel, oh, okay. and and that kind of sparked me on, and then uh, X Men, and then kept going and just kept going, you know. Now, were you always were you ever a comic book fan? Did you know of the X Men? Were you fan of it of the comic oh. book? Okay. Heck yeah, man! I mean. When I grew up, like I said, I was tall, skinny kid, glasses, bracelets, slightly mm -hmm. dyslexic. I was picked on in school. I was whatever, you know? Sure. And we had a thing called white elephant sales at our school where oh. everybody would bring their stuff to sell to raise money for the school. Okay. And that's, I think, grade three or grade four is where I got my first taste of comic books. Okay. You know, I got a Beetle Bailey. I got a, a Boris Karloff. I, got, I mean, I got an eclectic. I got a Tom Sawyer. I got... A wide variety of about five or seven books, mm. you know, uh, that I just love. And awesome. why I got those is because I couldn't read. But I could flip through it and look at the pictures. Right. You know, and I could try try to learn to read. And if I couldn't make out the word, I'd make up my own damn thing for the, for the art that I saw. You yeah. know, I'd make up my own story in my head and, and kind of escaped that way and then i started watching the cartoons and then you know the wrestling and then this you know and it just all evolved and here we are so yeah now did you take because my whole I, again i grew up with comic books but my real true introduction obviously i knew of the x i used to have even like the trading cards that you would get back in like the early 90s and stuff but my true introduction, my really fell in love with the X-Men was that 90s cartoon which is actually coming back as a remake soon and I fell in love with that. Did you draw any inspiration from your Sabretooth character from that from that TV series? Or was it from the oh, old school yeah. comic books? Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Okay, nice. And, um, like, I grew up, <laughs> dare I say, in the 60s and 70s, you know. <laughs> I graduated high school in 82, man. There you so, go. So, you know, I'm, I'm old school, you know. <laughs> old school music, old school comics old right. school cartoons you know all of that that's that's my my jam mm -hmm. um but yeah i mean i like i would watch and, and and just take away from anything you know for for the x-men role i would watch the cartoon i would also um buy as many well, not as many because there was a ton of them, mm. but I would buy a lot of um, X-Men with Sabretooth in. Ah, okay, know? gotcha. I've got the very first Iron Fist. Uh, mm. I've got wow. with Sabretooth's appearance. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it it helped shape who how I saw Sabretooth. Now, did you have any leniency in adding your own sort of spin to the Sabretooth character? Well, yeah, I mean, like, uh, I sat and I talked with uh, Brian Singer about it and, and he realized that I'd read the comic books oh, and, cool. and all of that and, and my audition and to get the role I went out and got fake teeth nice because <laughs> I was like I want this man. right I want this of course you know I had the long blonde hair I had the blue ah. man chew yeah, yeah. I went and got the fake teeth 
yeah. put them in, went into the office, and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm here to see Mr. Singer. <laughs> and this kid was sitting on the edge of the couch. Awesome. He just raises his hand. He doesn't even look up. He raises his hand and he keeps typing. I'm like, who is this little shit? <laughs> About a minute later, he picks his head up and he looks and he goes, I'm Brian Singer and you're Sabretooth. Wow. And I was like, something. And then he jumped up on the glass coffee oh. table. I don't know how it didn't break. <laughs> and he goes, choke me. Choke what? me. What? So I went, ah. Ah, uh, yeah, And he yeah. goes, oh. And, you know, he got, and then <laughs> here we are. Oh my god! And now, being a wrestler yourself, did they ask you to do any of the stunts, or was there always a stunt double doing everything? Yeah, I did. I, you know, I did a lot of my stunts. Ah. Corey Brennan came in and he was stunt doubling because you know there was a hundred and forty foot decelerator fall. That's why I'm asking. Uh, yeah, did. there was some crazy I, I draw the stuff. Line, yeah, I, I draw the line at uh, falling off of buildings. And, and <laughs> okay, good. On fire. I don't. I don't need any of that shit. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? And so they. He did that, and he worked out the fight scenes and stuff. So it was a combination of both of us, and mm-hmm. you know we're still tight today. Uh, he's he's my best bud, you know. Oh, that's so cool to hear. And then obviously the iconic Michael Myers, my friend. Like to me, yeah. this is top three for sure. Like for me, it's Freddy, Jason, Michael Myers are your top three. And any which way, I think you could put them in. No arguments there. You could throw in everyone else. Top 10 is a bit different for everyone. But those three alone, that's Halloween. That's horror. That's everything that encompasses old slasher movies. Now, how did this project fall into your lap? And were you always a Halloween movie series fan? Well, I I mean, I tell you, okay. So I got an audition to um, try for the Devil's Rejects. Oh, another great series. I was auditioning for the Diamond Dallas Page. Oh, okay. But Interesting. they had other things in mind for me. I didn't know that they were replacing Rufus. So, um, they, you know, he saw my audition and he goes, yeah, that's Rufus. And then um, I went on set. Okay. And I was there for four days. Oh, wow. Did my thing. And I was like, hey, that was great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You know? And uh, about a year, two years later, I can't remember how long. I get a phone call from Rob and he goes, Hey, I'm doing this movie. If you don't do it, I'm not going to do it. You know? And what? I go, well, what is it? Okay. You know, he goes, it's Halloween. I want you to play Michael Myers. And I was like, crazy. Okay. What, what, what are we doing? You know, and he explained <laughs> the whole backstory and, and how he's a product of his environment, making him more than a one dimensional character, making him a three dimensional character. Exactly. And making him more aggressive than a killing machine. And I was like, okay, I'm in. You know, and uh, we ended up doing two together, and it was hell of a lot of fun. No, and, and again, it shows like there was a lot of negative publicity towards this because it was different and it wasn't your typical Michael Myers type of Halloween. But I love the backstory of the villain. Like, you know what I mean? Because you start seeing that now, like, even the most, re- like, I'm a huge fan of the Saw series, Saw 10, if you have no one seen it, spoiler alert, like, it sort of souls the backstory. Like, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Now I know why he does what he does. And you're rooting for him now. Like, you know what I mean? I love that shit. <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and I mean, people say, oh, this and that and the other thing. Well, we held the Labor Day box office record for 14 years. What? Nice. So, can't have been that bad, you know what I mean? <laughs> and 
you know, and, and a lot of people, I, a lot of people by me go, you know, when these new ones came out, they're like, wow, you know, we're revisiting Rob's now. It's, we appreciate it, you know? So right? It's, it's, but but the, the, that's the great thing about this franchise. There's something for everybody. I mean, if, if you can go back to the OG, the 78 one, mm-hmm. and you can see everything and anything in between, you know? And it's if so you true. want to see the most vicious Michael Myers and the most brutal Michael Myers, you watch Rob Zombies and mine. There we go. No, it's so true. Do you, do you think, though, that Rob Zombie gets a bad knack because he's not really a true director? He didn't come from that first. So he gets sort of already that asterisk and then everyone critiques everything. Because the same thing with, like, The Devil's Rejects and all those series, like, those series before them. I love them all, and I think the man's a genius. But there's just something where people don't see that brilliance. And I, I, I can't explain it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if you look go back and look at all of his... Um, Music videos, Even that. you know, that were he did all of those, you know. So he had the background to do it, you know, and he That's obviously true. had the life experiences um, to do it, you know. It's like um, the very first interview that I did with Rob. Uh, the guy says, "Well, wh- you know, where did you get the? How did you come up with this stuff?" He goes, "Well, you know, my parents were carnies and." When I was about five or six, I saw somebody get hit in the head with a ball-peen hammer and bludgeoned to death. And so, you know, and it just nonchalantly like that. And I was like, holy crap, okay. <laughs> you know, <laughs> this is uh, this is some real shit. So, yeah. No, and it came out of time, too. I, again, I don't know if it's the minds of these people that are just so ahead that they like, they go back and appreciate after like, even like that was sort of like the introduction of when gory movies were starting to make a comeback again. Like, you know what I mean? Right. So I think it was yeah. too much too soon, but then when the, all the other ones like hostels, like Eli Roth type of shit started coming out after two and all it was during that era, right? Then it's like, Oh yeah, now we're eating all this. Shit. And now it's sort of coming back again. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing with ours is it, it makes you think it puts in your head, you know, good point. And even with two, you know, they, yeah. the, the, the Weinstein screwed the second one up, but I'm, I'm not even going to get into all of <laughs> sure. that crap. But because, I mean, they had poor Rob doing rewrites every day and came up with oh. stupid shit and, and yeah, like, yeah. whatever. But if he would have done his original script, it would have been amazing. Mm. And I'm, I, he, he turned it into something with all the bullshit that he was going through that is fantastic. But it's, it's you know, people are like, what? What's with the white horse and all of this? It's it's Michael Myers had the little white horse, and that's how he related to his mother. You know, she gave mm. him that little, and so then that's where the visions came from—the leading, driving visions—and right. and people just have a hard time understanding that. And because Rob's movies start you off in a place, and then it takes you deeper down. You know, mm-hmm. and so you have. You have Laurie Strode crossing with Michael Myers and it's, you know, then they meet in the middle and it's like, wow, you know? Right. It's so cool. And do you think, or was there a plan in Rob Zombie's mind to have more than just two of them? Well, we, I was, we, I was signed for three. Oh, look at that. Cheese. Yeah. I was signed for three and then it just oh, what a shelf. got shelved after all the, all the, you know, and it, I mean, it's just stupid stuff. People, the suits wanting to get their way, and so it happens sometimes. 
Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, yeah. What can you do when it's out of your hands? It's out of your hands. But you're also one of two to play, or one of to play Michael Myers twice. Yeah, yeah. How cool is that to have that? Jude Courtney. Yeah. Well, James has done it more than I have. He's done it three times. Three times, but you've done it again. But that's still the nice little asterisk to have beside your name, right? (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I'm the only one that. Like in the second one, I didn't. I had no stunt double at all for any. Really? Yeah. Oh, look at that! That's pretty cool. Yeah, they had. Um, I think they were. They. They were. Of course, it's the stunt coordinator's job to bring someone in, and they mm-hmm. brought in Tim Sylvia. And I mean, he didn't look. Mm-hmm. Stature is nowhere near close, you know. So. Right. I was like, "Nah, I got this." So. Well, and and was like, just don't light me on fire and don't drop me off a building and we'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, harkening back to that. But yeah, you're also the tallest Michael Myers. So did they have to adjust anything really story-wise to deal with that? Or was it just, that's his height, let's just go with it? That's his height, let's go with it. Oh, yeah. nice. Okay, there you go. I, I grew up in that asylum and, and away we go, you know? <laughs> so, so what's your favorite, I'm going to put you on the spot, favorite Halloween that doesn't involve you in it? I'd have to say the OG. Real, the original. Yeah, yeah. It takes a little bit of time, you know, because it's for the time. It takes a little bit of time before things start to happen, you know, but it is the original story. So that's the one that I'm sticking to it. I haven't even really watched three because Michael Myers doesn't even appear in Season of the Witch. So, but yet they call it a Halloween. Kind of stupid. But I know, right? I guess they just wanted to, again, executives in suits, right? Exactly. <laughs> there you go. That's why I wanted to become my own executive, where not have to wear suits, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> and now, how cool is it to go to all these cons and be called as Michael Myers and talking to fans and everything? Because again, yourself, you were a fan before you were a Michael Myers, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, it's fantastic going to these conventions and and just having. The wide variety of work that I have done, you know, mm. people will come in and true, talk too. to me as Michael and they go, oh, sh- shit, you were Sabretooth? <laughs> shit, you were in Joe Dirt? Wait a minute, who are you in, you know, who are you in Jupiter's Legacy? Who are you, who are you in this, you know? Right. And, wait, you were in Troy? <laughs> Another <laughs> one. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah, I was. <laughs> so then it's, it, it was, it's kind of just. It's really nice to cross over. And then for the kids, you know, I was in playing with fire with John Cena. So there you go. You know, I've just been very lucky to cross all the paths and, and, and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah, no kidding. Well, again, we mentioned it is Halloween season. There are other horror franchises. My favorite personally is nothing compares to nightmare on Elm street. There's just something about that Freddy Krueger, the original. The remake, I actually watched it the other day because people said, go back, watch it. It might hold up still. I can't, like Robert England, like he's so iconic playing Freddy Krueger. To me, I I don't know. It's it's perfect. Like I think that, like Jason vs. Freddy or Freddy vs. Jason is one of my favorite horror movies of all time. And it's because it was Robert England in that. If it was anyone else, I don't think even that movie would have held up. Yeah, probably not. You know what my favorite horror movie is? Mm. Jaws. Really? <laughs> I've seen that probably a thousand times. Wow. If it's on a plane, I'll watch it. But I tell you, when I first watched that as a little kid, mm-hmm. I didn't even want to get in the bathtub for about two weeks. That's what I hear with everybody who watched this when it came out. That's hilarious. Hell yeah, I still, I mean, you know, I, my, 
brother's like, let's take our families on cruise ship, you know, and go for a cruise. I'm like, hell no, man, that's in the ocean. Forget about it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny that people don't usually put that under the horror genre because it's not really like a villain villain like you know what i mean because yeah it's a shark but you know that shark's a villain man i guess and that's what, and that's what i kind of challenged my uh michael myers after i was the land shark mm. you know get in my way you're gonna go i was trying to reunite with Lori the whole time to reunite with family but anybody else that got in my way you're gone Oh man, would you like to see a remake of Jaws since that's all on the big rise nowadays? Yeah, I mean, they've done a few of those. No, no, no. <laughs> no, not a fact. <laughs> you know, it, it, the speech on the boat and all of that uh, stuff, I mean, you you can't top that. That was one of the greatest monologues for me in history, you know? No, of so, course. And again, it goes both ways. There's so many conversations about having remakes, having legacies or continuing storylines or whatever it is. And it works for a lot of cases and it goes both ways. And I think that, okay, if it's a money grab, no, no questions asked. Get the hell out of here. Right. Like, And you could tell right off the bat if it's not like a project of love. But you have sort of like these fans who grew up watching the originals. And then they make their own, like, example, Rob Zombie's a great one. Like, you know what I mean? All the Marvels that are coming out now, like, th that stuff is great. Like, you could so tell it's fan-driven type of stuff. Yeah. Like, that stuff, no problem. But, like, money grabs, it's like, like, let's try and stay away from that. Like, if you're just going to slap the name on it, and, like, one I could just name off the bat quickly, even though it's not, I guess it's horror, but not really, because it's sort of comedy. It's Teen Wolf. Like, to me, the original was fantastic. Leave it alone. You could so tell this is like a money grab, whatever they came yeah. out with nowadays. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, it's the suits, you know, and, and they're <laughs> just trying to, to come up with something easy to try and do that money grab. But that's that's one of the reasons why I started my own production company, too, you mm. know, is like I wanted to do original material and I wanted to do stuff where I wasn't just pigeonholed into a certain role, you know, and... and uh, We've done two pictures so far with Main Entertainment. We did Compound Fracture and we did uh, Penance Lane. Okay. And um, now we're doing The Last Spartan Red Tape, which is um, a graphic novel. Imagine Sons of Anarchy meets The Punisher with a human trafficking storyline. And with doing our research with Christopher Priest on this, okay. I decided I have to do something to help give back to, to the community and everything and, and help try to stomp out this sick, vile thing of human trafficking because just from hearing the stories and, and and all of that, you know. So we came up with this um, character, Frank, came, is based on a, a novel that my friend John Saunders did, and um, we're taking it to the next level, modernizing it, mm. and um, telling the story and, and hopefully going to raise awareness for uh, about human trafficking because a lot of people think out of sight, out of mind, it's not going to affect them, but it actually does. You know, 80% of the trafficking that is done in America is done by Americans to Americans. Jeez, that's people crazy. think that this is all something that dealing with the border and all of that, that's that's not the case. You know? And it's so it's crazy. Like was, be, yeah. Because no one really addresses it, but everyone knows it's wrong. So why not talk about it and make awareness about it and let's stomp it away? Like, like you know what I mean? It's crazy. Like that stat yeah. alone is crazy. Yeah, that's that's one of the reasons why uh, you know I wanted to do this project, and I'm very passionate about this project. I'm teaming up with DeliverFund.org. We've helped raise over ten thousand dollars, and 
and to, to spread the word and, and uh, help people uh, open their eyes to the problem of human trafficking. Like, and, and at every convention I go to, I'm, I'm talking to somebody either, either who works in the field mm-hmm. and says, thank you for bringing awareness to this, helping bring awareness to this. Right. Or I'm meeting people that know someone that was trafficked, oh. which is very, very sad. Like a couple of conventions ago, um, a guy said his niece was just about taken. Oh you know, goodness. they drugged her in a bar. They were trying to take her out the back door. Oh my Luckily, uh, a bouncer realized it and ended up beating the shit out of the guys. Good. They caught the one. The one took off. And oh. then by the authorities tracking, backtracking, they found three women drugged and chained in a hotel getting ready to be trafficked mm. that these asses were getting ready to abuse. Yeah. You know? So it's a very serious thing. And, and if, if us doing this graphic novel raises the awareness and, and helps someone inform their kids or inform, right. you know, spouses, their, anybody, just to be aware of your surroundings, be aware of what's going on. Thank you. And and take care of yourself. So that's why we're doing it. And, you know, we've got this Kickstarter launching October 17th for The Last Spartan Red Tape. There are a lot of really cool tiers on this Kickstarter. One of my favorites is Coffee and Comics, where okay. we are teaming up with Deliver Fund, who has their own coffee. Oh. So you get 12 ounces of coffee and the graphic novel. So what a better way to start your day with a nice cup of joe and a great novel. No, of course. And it, and again, going back to not being aware, like us growing up, like I'm like just... a maybe 12 years younger than yourself so it's sort of close to that generation before the internet before the softies so so to speak where you're allowed to get your fingers dirty like we were taught like stranger danger like don't approach like white vans type of shit like you need to know what's out there to be aware like now people are sheltered people don't know they think that oh if i don't let them know you know they're they're going to be better off it's like no you have to get hurt to know or you have to be aware of what's going on or else then you're going to be lured and you're going to be that sucker that gets like you know what i mean oh well that yeah i i know exactly what you mean it's like for back in the day that was what we were all taught you know stranger danger don't approach the van. Don't take candy. Candy, you know? yep, another one. But it has evolved, you know, to the internet. You know, I know. You've got these sick pedophiles and, and people preying on kids on the internet, saying so that they're sorry. somebody that they're not. Yep. And you yep. know, it's and, and that's why I'm teamed up with Deliver Fund because they deal with that. They deal with putting an end to that. And they have. Um, programs and software that you can get that can put an end to that and then oh, you nice. can watch what your kids are doing and, and stuff which Good. is very very important because yeah it, you know what let's face it at that age you're not as um no. understanding of the whole world around you that people are just trying to take advantage thank of you, you. you know and, yeah. and 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 they prey on these people and and they brainwash them and and it's it's just sad you know so that's that's one of the main reasons why I, I, I pushed this ball up the hill for so many years. Awesome. And uh, it's a great story. It's written by Christopher Priest, who wrote mm-hmm. Black Panther, Punisher, Vampire. Oh, nice. Yeah, you know, we've got Mark Silvestri has done our cover. Oh, legendary. Yeah, legendary. You know, we got Will Conrad doing interiors, Jimbo Salgado doing interiors, Look Michael Montnot doing interiors, C.O.M. did a cover for us. 
um, Seth Adams. We've got all these top tier people, and it's hmm. all because of my wife, Renee Deerlings, who was the editor in chief at Top Cow Comic Books. Hmm. Actually, Mark Silvestri gave her her first job. Wow! In the comic business, awesome. And um, so it's kind of just evolved, and we've been able to pull all these top tier people into to help tell our story. You know, of of, of Frank Kane and his mm-hmm. journey to try and rescue this child from the. Uh, Atlanta underground of human trafficking. Okay, now how about this? Because it's such a sensitive subject to a lot of people, was there anything that you guys had to remove that you're like, ah, you know, we are, we're already pushing it, but, you know, if we put this in, it's going to go overboard? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, when you, when we were doing the re- research with Christopher, you know, we would come up with stuff and, and he would be, that had never happened. Oh. And we would find articles right. that, they did happen. Shit. It does happen. Okay. You know? It, and it's not... Human trafficking is not just sex trafficking. Of course, yeah. It's labor trafficking. It's all of this, mm-hmm. you know? And so, through the research, just seeing this stuff and and doing the research for it, I knew we had to do it and, and we put some serious stuff... We, You know, we put a little bit of spin on it because it is a comic book. Of course. And make it fun, yeah. you know? as fun as you can, but make it entertaining, but also to tell a story, you know, so that you, it's not like your typical comic book where you read and you go, Oh, I wish I could have those superhero, you know, I I wish I could be invincible or whatever. This is a story that will hit. And I really would appreciate it. Everybody would support and uh, pick up the tier that they, that they want and can afford and, and help support the project. Now, not to reveal any spoilers or anything, but is there long-term with this project? Do you want spinoffs? Do you want to eventually evolve maybe into a movie? Like, you know, all this fun stuff. Yeah, you know, I mean, originally we're doing this as the graphic novel. Okay. Um, down the road, I would if we get the response that I hope we do, I would love to do it as a TV series where we can keep bringing awareness and, and keep oh. raising awareness about human trafficking and take it to the next level, you know, and, and help as many people as we can. Because it's it, when I sit and I think about it and just thinking about it right now, how somebody could exploit someone I know. and traffic them is just sickening. Right. It is sickening to me. It's so true because obviously everyone knows that feeling of not being trapped, just alone, trapped in any sort of situation. Now imagine taking away all your freedom. It's like, oh, and do, oh, yeah. It's it's something that's just really horrible. It, and again, yeah, please support this. Let's make it a, a awareness for everyone out there, and just have that. Like if people have kids, just sit down. Again, it doesn't have to be graphic, and just be like, if you don't know that person, or even if you do know someone and they're doing something that you think feels wrong. Just bring it up to your parent. There's nothing wrong with that. Like, yeah. don't make them feel shameful. Like when our parents sort of sometimes used to use that religious guilt back in the day. If you were like, you know what I mean? It's like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah. It's you know, oh, you know, toughen up or whatever. Yeah. But it's it's you gotta you gotta say something now. Of all times, this is the highest human trafficking <sighs> time. Ever. Horrible. You know, it's been around since the dawn of time. Of course. But it is magnified with the internet. And we just have to, you know, raise the awareness and make people aware that 
hey, that person you were talking to on the other side that's trying to sweet talk you may not be what they say, you know, and that goes back to the whole adage, the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? you know, if, you know, kids think you're getting some tough love from your parents, they're not trying to be, you know, pricks about it. They're just trying to make you aware of it. You mm-hmm. know, I guess some, some parents might be pricks about it. Of but, course. You know, and then, and then if you're in a situation like that, you got to say something too, you know, yeah. because your family, the, the, the family is families are trafficking their own family members. <laughs> it happens all the time yeah. and people don't realize it. And if that, it's happening say something you know and and but they you know they try and shame you into a guilt trip and and it's you got to just stay strong and, and and fight through it no it's so true like one Find fact out. Like, yeah, exactly. One fact that came out that just blew my mind was something like in the low 80s, I think, percentage, but still so very high, that kids who do get molested or trafficked are, like you said, a family member. And like yes. like an uncle, a cousin, like, you yes. you know what I mean? It's It might not be your family, immediate friend, family, family, but it could be someone that's sort of always interacting that, like, the outside would never think that that would happen. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, and it's so sad. And, oof. It is, scary. it is ex- extremely sad, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons too why I wanted to do this to raise awareness to to get this out. We're, we're telling we're telling a story, but if it gets people thinking in their head and go, "Hey, I gotta," if I see something, I gotta say something. If I can help somebody, I will. That's the reason why I'm doing this. No, for sure. So, how long or when did you start this project? Oh my gosh! I originally got the book probably 15 years ago from my friend. Wow! And we've been trying to figure out what we're going to do with it all the way along. How are we going to uh, do this? What medium we're going to deal with? And, yeah. and I was talking with um, David Hader and Tom DeSanto, who I worked with on the X Men, and mm-hmm. they said, "Man, why don't you just turn that into a graphic novel? Because mm. you have the resources with Renee and everything, and it, mm-hmm. it's." It would be perfect. Right. You know, so we, that's what we did, you know, and, and it's a, it's a, hopefully a great stepping stone to the next step. No, there you go. And now do you have any other projects lined up or anything that you have in the back of your mind that you want to bring to fruition out through your production company as well? Uh, I do. I, I, you know, I'm kind of, uh, kind of digging these, uh, graphic novel media. It, oh, it's, it's okay. a whole different, it is a whole different medium. The scripts look totally different, right. but I have some ideas that I've been kicking around for, for a good decade or more Oh wow! also, you know, but, uh, it's, it, and then the, another perk that we have for people that are wanting to learn to write or, mm. uh, a comic book or whatever, you can get Christopher Priest's script book also. Oh, wow. You know, as one of the perks. Nice. So you can see the script book next to the comic book, uh-huh. and you can just see how it evolved, which is amazing for artists or writers both to see. Because, you know, I was, I was understanding it and everything, but then when I saw them side by side, I was like, oh, I get it. Mm. You know, it all kind of clicks. So, yeah, that's a cool perk that we have, too. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Now, how about video games? Because I know Sabretooth appeared in a few video games. Did you get to voice or do any voice acting in video games? Not even with Sabretooth, just throughout your career? 
I, you know, I did the voice of the uh, Sabretooth and the X-Men game back okay, in the so day. Okay, so you did do that one. I'm okay. wanting to do more of that and, mm. and transition into that. Um, I, I want to do a little bit of everything. Man. You know, I, mean, <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> I just have fun. And my motto is if I'm having fun, I want to be there and I want to be doing it. Right. You know, and so far, you know, knock on wood, I've had a, had a great ride and had a lot of fun doing it. No, and again, and it shows, and it, it's good also to let out your passion projects because, again, yeah. that those are the stuff that I love supporting, that I love to getting behind because you know you're going to get the best possible product behind it. Like, yeah. like, you know, nothing compares to a passion product, I think. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's, it's just from the whole team that we've brought together, it's so, so, so amazing. You know, and it's kind of surreal to me at times when we're talking to these people, Renee and I, and I'm like, wow, this is really happening. You know, it's like to, to have Mark Silvestri do our cover <laughs> is epic. Right. He is, I mean, you know what he's done in the business. He's done everything. You name it. You know, and then it, it's it's amazing. And then And then we have all these amazing artists that have come together to help make this project. It's so fantastic to just be a part of it, you know? And and our Kickstarter is, it's not to raise the money to do it. We are fully funded. Mm-hmm. The book is almost complete. There you go. So it will be coming out real soon. This is our storefront to help deliver it to the public mm-hmm. so that we can get the hand the money back in the hands and, and do more projects and, and keep doing what we need to do. And now, since this was your pretty much first comic that you've ever worked on, what was like the hardest or the most surprising thing that you found putting out or working on a graphic novel? Um, you know, luckily I have someone that uh, is right by my That's side that can too. hold my hand and walk me through it. But, <laughs> but the, uh, you know, just reading the difference the differences between a movie script and a comic book script mm. are there you go. amazing. Oh. It's, it is like when you're reading, cause you're reading every panel. It's like panel one, panel two. Oh. Sometimes you can have 12 panels gotcha. laid out. In, so, so for that one page of that comic book, you could have three pages of writing of notes, of mm. action of, you know, and, and watching that come to life is amazing oh yeah that would be so amazing and what was amazing was you coming aboard today my friend thank you tyler so very much so promote your socials anything you want floor's all yours my friend yeah you know uh the real tyler main on instagram and and facebook and the kickstarter is um the last spartan red tape check it out on kickstarter come to mainentertainment.com we will have links there that you can click on to to take you to the page and i just really appreciate your support 
No, thank you for coming aboard today once again. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter or X under Finger Styles, or you can follow the podcast on X, the podcast app. Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest at the podcast app at gmail.com. Please rewind to the top of the show, support those fine sponsors because if it helps them out, most definitely helps me out. But most importantly, please rate, subscribe, review on all the major platforms. All right, one last question before I let you go, my friend. Actually, two things I'm interested in. Do you still follow today's wrestling product? Um, Yes and no. Okay. You know, if if I happen to be flicking through channels, I'll, I'll watch it and I'll see. Um, on the internet, I'll see some of the old matches, you know. Sure. And and go back and, and do that. Okay, now, if Michael Myers was to do a crossover like Freddy vs. Jason, who should be the other villain? Oh, wow. I don't know. That's hard to say. There's a lot of them. That's why I know. <laughs> I think I think Chucky. Ooh. Because then it'd be like it'd be like uh, that Danny DeVito and Arnold Schwarzenegger. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Did not even what think of that. What the hell was that movie called? Uh, twins. Twins. Yeah, it'd be like twins. <laughs> But instead of twins, we could call it sins. Ah! <laughs> there you go. How and funny at the is end, that? Michael Myers field goals Chucky. Jeez. For the win. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, well, you, you know, I could sort of see a story where Chucky manipulates Michael and then Michael turns and then, yeah, then the end is him just punning him away. Because <laughs> it, it can't be a fair fight. Because, come on, Michael Myers would shred him. Like, come on. Well, yeah, they, they, I mean, they'd have to team up. Yeah, exactly. You know, but but yeah, no. Hey, man, my my ankles would be all hacked up. Or whatever. <laughs> Throw you this one: if it was to go one on one, like how Freddie and Jason did, how about Leatherface? Uh, yeah, yeah, right? that'd be a good one. Sort of the same statuesque, you know. I I'd still win though. <laughs> Okay, well, how about this? What would be Michael Myers' finishing move? Oh, man. A, st- a, a, a knife to the chest. <laughs> That's it. Just to stick kn- you to the wall. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> so I guess every type of match would have to be a death match. But um boom Yeah, well, I mean, like, think about it. In, in, oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to look at like in age two, I choke slammed the guy up by the dumpster and then stomped his face. Classic, love that scene. You know, and then I choke slammed the guy in the office and killed him. So yeah, you know, pretty cool. And did they ask you to incorporate any wrestling moves since you are a former wrestler as well? Uh, you know, I mean, you gotta do it. It's just a way you react and, and stuff like that. Spur the it, moment. It, it was so funny. Like, just one quick last story. Please, go for it. And then we'll wrap it up. Here. Yeah. And it, it, it's like for that scene where I chokes on the guy on the, on the, um, on the couch in the office, mm-hmm. the stunt coordinator was like, oh, you want, you want to do it like this and this and, you know, and I go, I know how to do a choke slam. <laughs> and he kind of pissed me off, right? I could imagine. <laughs> And then Rob just started laughing. He's like, oh, God, here we go, you know? <laughs> so I just picked up that poor guy and just slammed him right through that couch. And he was like, oh, okay, yeah, you know how to do it. That's good. 
That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's the last story. But everybody, please support the last yes. part of Red Tape. Kickstarter now. On that note, he's Tyler. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace.